Serial Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome back to the Serial Entrepreneur podcast. I am very excited to bring you a special episode today as we focus on the power of community and personal brand. And I'm joined by the wonderful David Svarge, founder of Tech Talks, who will be co-hosting with me today. David, how are you? And thank you for joining me. I'm good, thank you. I like how you pronounce savage. It made it sound like it was some somehow more posh than it really is. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I genuinely thought it was savage. I don't know why. It's, it's, it's got a it's got Gallic flair to it. It's great. I think I think I should rebrand. Yes. So, um, David, it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you for co-hosting with me. Would you like to tell everyone a little bit about who our guest is today? Yeah, absolutely. Sonia is, I feel like I'm stealing your thunder here, Sonia, but you are the founder of Like-Minded Females, uh, someone who, you you don't describe it as, as, as a business, but more as a, as a club, as a, as a community of people who have come together. Uh, with it with a shared goal uh but someone who's built that network who is involved in podcasting has some other stuff in the pipeline that we might hear about a little bit more but um yeah someone who i've been lucky enough to get to know through my own podcast uh and have on our on my show on a number of occasions so it's lovely to, to be joined by you and sonia thank you so much for joining us before i delve in and ask you a little bit about yourself and a bit more about lms um, I'm going to ask you, as I ask everyone, what is your favourite breakfast cereal and why? So, <laughs> my favourite breakfast cereal, I have I have been thinking about this, so I've got two, but the one that I'm going to share is um, Craves. Great choice. It's also <laughs> extremely unhealthy. I know David's just like, not, not good for you. <laughs> Kind of in the same categories like Golden Grahams or something awful like that, aren't they? Do you know what? I've never really been a really sweet cereal person. So my cereal before that of choice was I'd mix Special K with Bran Flakes. Again, weird, really tasty, you know. But then Craves, I'm not lying, they literally got me through university. So I used to stay up studying. And though I'm not really proud of this, I used to basically go through a whole box when I was revising, like in one go. Oh, that that can't have been good for you, like diabetic coma while studying. <laughs> and David, as you're judging Sonia, what would be your favourite breakfast cereal? I, like? I, I am definitely judging Sonia. No, <laughs> I. You know what? I like I like porridge, which is terribly boring, isn't it? But I do like porridge. So yeah, or I'm quite partial to Cheerios if it's gonna be if it's gonna be out of a box. Yeah. Cheerios is definitely my favourite. Amazing. Well, I think finding out pe- people's favourite cereals definitely tells us a little bit about them. So I'll let the audience decipher what that means about you too. Before we talk about cereals all day long, Sonia, David gave you a great intro, but tell us a little bit more about your background, how you founded LMF and a little bit, yeah, about your story and yourself. Yeah, thank you. So I graduated in 2015 and fell into the world of tech. I always say that when I fell into the world of tech, I just considered myself as a grad who'd got a job. And then you go into the tech world and you have all these labels put on you. So you kind of walk in and they're like, oh, you're a woman in tech. and You're a brown woman in tech. And I was like, "Mm, I'm just a graduate. Well, that was the first experience I ever had with like actual labels being put on you. Because especially at university, they don't really train you to go into the world of work. You think, right, I've done university. Now work is going to be great. I'm going to have friends. I'm going to have a community. I'm going to thrive. It's going to be like, you know, easier because I've learned it through university and you go in. I found work really difficult 
basically getting into the world of work and, and finding a community and making friends. And as sad as it is, between my first and my second job when I moved over, I didn't have leaving drinks, I didn't have a leaving card, my manager didn't even show up to work, right? And I was there for two years and there was over 800 people in the workplace. And what I realized throughout that was I walked into my second job thinking I don't really have a circle or a community of people that are, that are like-minded, that are young, that are professional, that are extremely ambitious and that just want to figure out where they fit in. Because I didn't quite fit in, um, especially being in the tech world. We're talking four or five years ago. You know, today there's 15% women. Four or five years ago, there was less than that. And so you're already walking into establishments that don't really cater for you. So kind of long story short, I tried to look for some networking clubs and membership clubs, especially in London, with one of my friends called Dewey. And we went to a membership club and we really, really liked it. But as we were coming out, one of the girls was like, oh, you should definitely join in. We were like, okay, yeah, why? They're like, oh, because we're affiliated with a guys club so you can find like a future husband. I was like, what are you talking about? This is not why we're here. And then it was £1,500 for the year. So I was like, that's ridiculous. I don't have that much money to my name. So out of complete frustration and, and feeling like a lack of community and not really knowing who I am, I founded, let's say, a, a LinkedIn group and it was closed and kind of throwing around names, we called it like-minded females because we were like, oh, we were females and we want to come together and talk about career and news and, and business. Two weeks later, I was under the impression that everyone loved brunch. So I was like, oh, I'm going to create a brunch and we're going to meet people and, you know, this is going to change my life. I'm going to make some new friends. And ironically, no one really showed up to brunch. Um, so it was just me by myself and Dewey um, and that happened for the first three brunches and one of the things that I learned through that which we'll go on to is you know why would someone come to something you've built if they don't know who you are I had no social media presence I hadn't had uh, social media for three years until that point and I reactivated my LinkedIn I didn't really have a reason as to why I was creating it so one, no one knew your story so that was kind of the second learning as people buy into people and their stories but long story short, through that experience, I realized that there was definitely a niche and that niche was women, especially women. So we're kind of catering to women at that point, want to come together, not just from the tech industry, but from every industry to talk about how can they progress and how can they move forward and the challenges they're having in the careers and, and how we can support each other. Today, we've grown out that community into a global not-for-profit social enterprise. We've gone from 12 people not showing up to over 20,000 and following within kind of 12 to 18 months. Worked with over 50 client partners and brands to deliver workshops. I think we've delivered over 100 workshops that we've curated and designed and, and delivered ourselves. Upskilled over 2,000 people, won various awards to the point where I was uh, nominated as UK Tech Businesswoman of the Year for PwC and winner of Women in, in Software Changemakers via Google for Startups and Level 39 and Makers Academy. So it's all been a great journey. And similar, you know, kind of talking about David's point beforehand, I don't consider ourselves a business and I never have. I've really struggled in my, in my corporate career life because I've realized that the lack of diversity and inclusion definitely does exist. So through the community, we now run initiatives to make sure that everyone can show up to work as their best self. So we're changing the narrative of inclusion, we're providing free, accessible, and most important kind of effective tools and resources and frameworks that you can use to progress. And then we have the consultancy side, which we actually go into businesses and train them on how to be more diverse, more inclusive, think of people as equity, and really make you feel as if you belong. Alongside that, I've delivered two TED Talks, a bunch of keynotes, been on a few podcasts, and 
have a book coming out which I can now talk about which is very exciting just on that before we before we get to the book when we talk about brands and you have quite you have a strong brand in the market now right I think people know what you represent and stand for but you said there yourself that you didn't have any social media presence at first and you didn't know who you were and you struggled to fit into the world of work I think people think that people with brands do have this very secure image of what it is that they're portraying to the market but actually when you read between the lines of what you're saying yours isn't that story at all and that your brand and the evolution of it was quite symbiotic with your own self evolution right yeah i had absolutely no idea what i was doing and i do not enjoy social media i'm not good at social media so i went and kind of really which is a lie by the way you say you're not good at it you might not enjoy it but you are good at it i'm good at it now right because you've learned and you've failed you've made mistakes for example to your point, my brand building started Jan 2019. So I was in between my second and third job and I thought, you know what, I've got a couple of weeks off. And and genuinely, this is what I thought. I was like, this is my year to think like a man. That was, that was the title of that year. The publishers have asked me to change that to that was my year of strategically winging it. But you know, <laughs> it was actually think like a man. And what that meant was, I, I would wanna say yes to anything I could do 30% of. And I did, and I really did, and I tried. But then I got to August 2019 and that's when our advisory board came in for LMF Network. And one of the first things they said to me was, you're noisy. And I was like, what does that mean? They were like, you're noisy, you have a voice, but we don't really know what you stand for. You're, you're doing a little bit of everything, but you're not doing anything very well. And that was the first time that someone really called me out on it. And so I took a step back and started thinking about what are the five things I wanna be known for? What can I really make an impact in and, and have my niche and that's what I've started building up at the same time when it comes to social media you know consistency is key yes but there's a lot of things that people don't don't consider and um, the time that it takes the messaging the captions uh, you know thinking about oh why are people not liking why are people not following I had to take those KPIs or those measurables out of what I was doing and out of my system because if we were chasing the likes then we weren't creating impact so our success measures changed it's about creating impact it was about getting people into our events and workshops. It was, it was about upskilling. It wasn't about the amount of followers or the amount of likes that we have on Instagram. And I think that's really key because a lot of people, when they think, consider their personal brand, they're like, well, we want to be an influencer. And it's like, you can be, but don't you don't need tens of thousands of people. You just need to influence or impact one person and you're really changing their lives. Yeah, 100%. And like David said, you, you've grown your brand up and like it's very successful now. You are very well known. And it, has, it sounds like it has been a bit of a journey for you, but what would you say was the hardest part about building that brand up? One of the hardest parts was not always being in control. And what that means is when you are running a community or a club or a business, that's your baby, right? So that's the only thing that I can relate it to. That's, that's your child. You want to have a focus, you want to educate a certain way, you want to grow it a certain way, you want to feed it a certain way, just the way that you think is best. And it took me a long time to really understand other people's opinions and open my mindset. A simple thing being that we are based in London, but we launched our Toronto, Toronto chapter early this year. Now, the lady who's founded the Toronto chapter was very much like, look, you need more colours in your brand. And I was like, no, we don't no, 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 we're good with the way we are. This is how it's going to be. And she's like, no, we need more colours. And I was like, no, we're going to stick to the pinks. We're going to stick to the blues. That's all we're going to have. And what happened was 
she started putting more colors on her Instagram because that's that's what she was leading, so LMF Toronto, and I didn't on mine. And it took me a really long time just to get to the point where I could give someone else that control and take a step back to reflect on what is best for your audience, not what is best for you. And that's really important when it comes to building a community, building a business, or also building your brand. It's you're not really doing it for yourself. You're doing it so that you can you can communicate with an audience, you can share or kind of teach them some learnings and ultimately you need to know who your demographic is and what they want to engage with. Yeah, 100%. And obviously following on from that, you kind of learned some of your mistakes and you learned from them. What have some of the biggest mistakes that you often see with, you know, people in your community or other people that you work with when it comes to, you know, personal branding and building up that big brand? I think it goes back to the point of, you know, I always kind of take um, people through this exercise. So it's what is your vision? So i.e. where do you want to be? And I don't, I'm not saying 10 years, you know, I'm not even saying five years because if anything, this year, 2020 has taught us that things can change overnight. So where do you want to be in the next two years? And what do you want to be known for? And then you start working backwards and think about the more tangible milestones that you can, you can start meeting and you, you know, and how you can approach that and so that's kind of your mission and then your third thing are your principles so like I said what are the five things maximum you want to be known for only say yes to those five things and anything else you don't say no to them but you push them within your network and so that community aspect really comes out and it's well I don't think I'm the best person for this opportunity but I have x or y person who I think would be great I would like to recommend them to you out of interest you mentioned about understanding the demographics within your community and you talk a little bit around understanding what it is that you can offer them and helping that guide you in terms of that community building piece. But is there an element that you're doing something you're passionate about, right? And it's very easy to get bogged down with trying to please an audience when actually sometimes it's it's a bit more about going, no, this this is the message that I've got. And if I'm consistent and, and, and that's that's passionate and clear then sod it if not everyone gets on board with it. I'd rather I'd rather make sure that, that message cuts through and I, I bring people who, who are interested in that along the journey. Yeah, and that's currently the journey that we're on. So funnily enough, I had a team meeting with our head of marketing last night and that's exactly what we've decided is we've been so caught up in trying to please people and trying to be someone else. So the other communities that exist or the other networks and trying to make sure we are speaking on behalf of everything that we have lost our authentic voice and in the last three or four months we found that voice again and that voice is very much you know how we're really feeling how we're really thinking and being quite unapologetic about things i'm we're we're okay to be we're, we're okay being a bit messy we're okay being a bit raw we're okay bringing up issues that maybe other people aren't bringing up that's what makes us us and that's where the passion came from but then somewhere in that journey you start to self-compare and you start to think what someone else is doing and you start to replicate and the more you try to become them the less you less you're really trying to become you and forming your strengths really good example being you know and this is this is a relevant example everyone can go and go and look at our website four months ago we fed in a whole different kind of scope of work to our designer and if you look at our website right now it's very kind of pink and black and chunky and bold but it's not energetic it doesn't really have the passion and it's not as vibrant as we want it to be but what we've realized throughout the last three four months is we are quite vibrant 
we don't need to say sorry about things we don't need to please everyone if you are a part of what we are trying to commit to in our movement then get involved if you're not learn about it if you don't want to be that's completely fine there are other communities that suit you best but that is a journey that that you come on you know we've come on this over two years and i think i've changed our brand personally like seven times already a really good point david made earlier is that brand has somehow evolved the same as i have but there was a point where we had an intern come in that was um she was amazing and she actually blocked me from our own instagram because i would just go on it because i didn't have my own instagram so i would just go on the lmf network brand and take like selfies and do stupid things and be like hey this is what we're doing today and she's like that is not relevant and what i didn't realize is that people start associating the brand with my face and that's not what it's about it's not me and the brand are one thing it's i am one person and the community is the brand how do we put a lot more of uh, a lot more of the community to the forefront whilst it's important to be credible though what have you learned from those other communities that have helped inform yours because like let's face it you're in a space where there are so many other groups that have a similar aim but going about it in a slightly different way i think there's really great things that other communities do that we've kind of picked up on a few of them is having a structure so even when you look at aesthetics what is your structure and what does your social feed look like? Others being, what kind of message are you trying to get across and why does that caption exist? There are great communities like Fan and Flourish, F being Humble, um, Hustle and Heels, just to, just to name a few that come to the top of my mind, who are leading with value. And so that's what we've learned from others. It's, it's what's that value add. Even if we talk about your, your podcast, David, like, you know, Tech Talks, you're still, you've got a community that's still built around it. Even Startup Magazine, there's a community that's built around it. And the point is, what are you doing with that community? It's because you are, are elevating a message and a core message and everything makes sense and somehow it adds value. And that's what we've really learned from other communities is there is an added value piece. How are you trying to make someone's life different or better or, or you know change their mindset? At the same time, I do think there are a lot of communities, so we do need to do a lot more collaboration and kind of maybe umbrella together to create more impactful change because it's it's really easy right now to start like, for example, an Instagram community or, you know, a, a WhatsApp community. But it's really easy to start it, but retaining it and attracting new new kind of members or, or new new folks to follow and keeping it in a framework where it's adding value is super difficult. Definitely. And like you just said then, obviously, you know, there's a community built around Tech Talks, there's a community built around Startups Magazine, there's communities that are built around businesses. I know you said you didn't necessarily like that word for yourself at the beginning, but it's it's interesting because when I think of communities, I think of like LMF or Found and Flourish or some of the examples you gave. But everyone has their own community. Like when you when you have a, a message to portray, whether that be a podcast or a magazine or a TV show or you know, even communities built within like actual products. So like there's a, you know, a community within like Nike and Adidas and all sorts. There's communities everywhere and it's really hard to kind of sometimes define them. What I wanted to ask you um, before we move on slightly with the conversation and I'm also keen to talk about your book, but you mentioned obviously there was the, the slight potential that your, your face and you personally were going to be associated with the brand do you think this is a negative thing? And do you think that's in any situation that does sometimes work for people? I definitely think it worked for me in the beginning because it helped me to achieve the position where I'm in, which I'm in right now, right? So I have to give a lot of credit that 
the brand has has kind of moved the way I've moved and so it's given me credibility to deliver two TED talks or to you know even even get on a podcast or now it's very much helped me to get this book deal so it's really important but what founders and and founders side hustlers leaders you know kind of whoever get get wrong a lot of the time is they don't then have their own online presence and that really is something that needs to be worked on because what you bring to the table and your strengths and your skills may be different to what your community brings so if i do dni workshops and if i am public speaking on topics around community and tech and business it doesn't mean that that is the only thing that my community is uh, that, that the lmf network is doing so right now the lmf network we have a global mentorship scheme we have life skills workshops and we are currently um, launching kind of some some new kind of programs such as in october november we have an eight weeks money matter series if i was the face of that and that was so interlinked then you would only associate me with those things whereas i myself am not a mentorship scheme and so it comes back to that credibility you're building that trust that you're building and and where can you leverage your skills and your strengths to other opportunities rather than just being in that in that kind of one solid brand and framework and you know lastly it goes back to your point of exactly what a community is a community is two or more people who have same or similar shared values so our community is people our community is not me and that is so so kind of you know important to share that there was a point in life where i it was me and we've grown from that and not only have we grown from that but the lmf network itself has found its own identity and i've now been able to find my own identity and it's great that those two things aren't um haven't been mutually exclusive i, I think it's a really good point that you, you make that you can nurture both right because you getting a book deal or you having a personal brand for a podcast is important because it gives the community that you're running an opportunity and airtime and exposure right and the more people that have eyes on lmf and therefore take part in it the more good that that community can do so it's not like one should be sacrificed for the other definitely and well we've mentioned it a few times so it feels like a good time to bring it up let's now talk about your book where did the idea come from tell us a little bit of the backstory how it all happened you know you're not you're probably not even going to believe it as much because i don't believe it so i don't really know why someone else would but in may i kind of woke up one day and it was when my head of marketing was off sick so you know i get really excited when she's not <laughs> telling me what i can't or can do and I was like oh I'm gonna start a podcast so my podcast was called strategically winging it and that was on a Monday so the first person I actually messaged was David I was like hey I'm gonna start a podcast so you're gonna be the guest number one we're gonna record it on a Thursday he's like yeah okay fine I'm down and ultimately that podcast and the podcast is and, and was the sole reason for that is a lot of people message me, and especially during this kind of COVID period, being like, well, you've started a business and you're a founder and you're an entrepreneur and you've got like CEO in your title. How have you done it? You must be minted. You must be making so much money. And it's like, actually, it's really a struggle. And there is no guarantee of income or of impact or of any success measures. And then I've done a few guest lecturing at universities. And the first thing students ask is, where's your business plan? And I'm like, that's not a real thing. I mean, it's a real thing, but when you launch a business or you have an idea, you don't then go and put it down in eight pages of a business plan. For me, and, and most of the stories that I now know around me, you 
have an idea and then you start working on it and working it out and seeing if it's something feasible to take forward. So, you know, as I mentioned, 2019 was my year of Think Like a Man, but really it's my year of strategically winging it. It was my year of saying yes to most things that I could. And even if I didn't know it, 100% I'd learn. And so that's the, the premise of, of the podcast. And, you know, we've got great guests on it um, that have shared their stories. And so one thing that I encourage everyone to do, especially when they network online or offline, is try and try and share what your goals are or something that you'd really like to achieve in life. And so throughout these conversations, I was actually speaking to Angelica Malin. So she runs about Time Mag. And I was like, I really want to write a book one day in my life. Really want to. And she's like, actually, I know someone who's a publisher and they're looking to speak to new people. Would you like to be connected? And I was like, yeah, that's great. That that was as much as it was. I spoke to a publishing editor and she's like, what's the premise of your book? And I was like, do you know what? I want it to be like an ironic business plan. And I want the book to be laid out as if it was a business plan. So every chapter would be what a business plan needs, but it's alternative stories and it's alternative founders. And it's, uh, you know, not the people that have like completely made it, not FTSE 500 companies, but just the startups that are excelling all over the world and especially minoritized founders who ne- don't necessarily get the spotlight. And they absolutely loved the idea. And I spent a weekend writing out all the context, and all the chapters and, I got a few friends to check it just for like grammar errors and just to make sure it made sense. Cause I think it's really important also to get, I use my friends as my focus groups, for example. And then within kind of eight weeks of having the conversation, I was then signing a contract. So it's happened really quickly. I'm still very overwhelmed. It doesn't even have a working title yet, but it has a premise and I've started writing. It's out October 21. Just, just out of interest. You've 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 talked about the the chapter, a year of thinking like a man, or think like a man, and they seem to be uncomfortable with that. What's the reaction that you generally get from other women when you say you need to think like a man? Though I don't mean to bring this in, that it's an age thing and it's a mindset thing. Millennial women and younger definitely understand the concept and they they understand the premise because especially a lot of the data, a lot of the research around us proves and shows that, you know, if you think about masculine versus feminine traits and, and those who have more masculine traits, especially men, tend to say yes to things that they can complete kind of 20, 30% of, especially when they're applying for jobs versus women who need to meet about 80 to 90% of the criteria before even they give it a go. So because that's something that as, especially as women, we're already struggling with and we're already kind of you know trying to combat they do understand I, I think it's probably the older generation you know those who are kind of 38 40 above if we were to put an age on it who don't quite understand it because for them winging it means that you haven't put any prep work into it and you don't really know what you're doing and you're just putting on a show to see if it works whereas the definition of winging it has changed over time especially with kind of the information age and technology and the digital age and everything that we know about how people start up. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, talking about the the reaction it brings to people in terms of talking about gender and diversity and equality, when building communities, obviously LMF is kind of like focused on females. Do you think it's harder for women to find the communities that bring the best out in them than it is for men or do you think kind of communities are just a personal thing like you find one that's personal to you and gender doesn't really play into that i think that's such 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 a great question my thinking on this has evolved over time 
so when we first started LMF Network, it's called Like Minded Females, it's very much for, for women. But what we realized is we did not want to be exclusive. We want to make sure everyone's involved. And so the foundation is women and it's it's made for those who have more feminine traits or softer skills, but everyone's included. We ended 2019 with over 25% of the room being filled with men when we did workshops and events and online, over 25% of them attending our online upskilling events. Even our mentorship scheme right now, 10% of our mentors are men. And that's really important for us. So to answer your question, we want to be an inclusive community which is catered towards women and minority groups or those that are on the spectrum, but men can definitely join. The reason for that is, is because throughout this journey in the last couple of months, I've been thinking of it more from a personality trait perspective, less from a gender perspective. Those who have more masculine traits are uh, slightly more confident, slightly more assertive, logical in their approach. Those with feminine traits are slightly more emotionally um, intelligent, um, you know, softer and 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 their strengths lie in different areas. Now, what we have started doing as a society is generalizing that all men are the same, which isn't true. So we generalize and say every man is that macho character who is arrogant and who is confident and is logical and knows what to do. But actually what we've realized through our community building is that is the minority of men who have kind of taken that approach and then have been, have been spotlighted. There are a large group, especially men and kind of those with more masculine traits who feel like they're imposters and who feel like they don't have confidence and who, who won't kind of swipe right on everything that they see because they don't have the, the skills or the, the, the power within themselves. So I do think there is a community for everyone. I don't think we should just create communities for the sake of it. I think we should spend time engaging with other communities to see if that's something that we, we align to and if it fits. I think rather than forming and, and kind of storming your own community, you should maybe get in touch with community leaders and managers to say, hey, this is what we're thinking and feeling. Is there any way that you can approach this topic? Can we be more inclined to get involved? So that's what we say. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm very impulsive. So it's like if someone has, if, the, if three people have the same or similar problem, I will make a workshop out of it. I'd make a program out of it. That's how we kind of do things. But at the same time, I do think that, yes, traditionally, the boys network has existed traditionally men have had a sense of community but what they haven't had to call it is a community it was just a lifestyle and a way of life i think what we've then come and done is tokened that or kind of coined that token term and and really hyper i don't know we've like i don't even know what the word is is hyper something like hyper driven or whatever the word might be actually at this point we've done something to it that sometimes, and I don't know if you agree, sometimes the the power and the passion and like just the meaning of community is taken out of community. Yeah, I can see that. It's It's been really interesting. We've focused at the moment a lot on women in tech and, you know, female founders and the challenges that they face and the, some of the, the problems that there are. And a lot of the people we've spoken to, we've asked, are these communities, events, initiatives that are focused just on women so like you know women in tech or and it's just welcoming women are they empowering or are they sometimes a bit patronizing are, are they actually doing any good or are they sometimes doing more harm than good and I think the answer from my point of view is somewhere in the middle because I've come to realize I mean it might it might be obvious and I might just be a bit late to the party but you definitely need men involved like you said started off focusing on just females 
for LMF but then you know you do welcome men in and I think that sometimes in certain areas women do face more challenges and it is trickier for them but we definitely need men involved in the conversation it's not a battle to fight on our own and like you said the way we picture men is very wrong it's like very stereotypical men want to help men like Uh can help and sometimes men are facing challenges this is another kettle of fish completely but they are facing challenges too and we can't just dismiss that and say you know you have a completely easy life help us well do help us but you know we can't just let make out that it's all plain sailing for men so yeah I, I completely agree and there's there's kind of a fine line but it's it's yeah it's a tricky situation I was gonna say David obviously Tell us your point of view. It's good to have a male. It's good to have a male perspective always. The thing is, like, look, as a guy, you completely respect and understand that there will be certain situations and scenarios where having a female-only event for some reason makes sense and is appropriate. But I think it's a mistake to only have female-led events. It's you know, even if you are a female community, you can have both. You can have events that are closed and events that are open. And I think it's really important that they are open and inclusive because whether you like it or not, men are 85% of the boardroom. So without men on your side, you're you're not going to get anywhere, to be perfectly blunt. Um, it, it needs men to be allies and to help position this with other men, uh, unfortunately. And there's not, not really any way of escaping that. On, on the community piece, it's difficult, right? I, I don't want to, to gender stereotype at all, but I do think that there's more enthusiasm and support amongst women for community groups i think that's not to say that men aren't enthusiastic for communities but if i think about my own male friendships i will do something with tech talks i will do an event and even my closest friends will be like oh that's nice but they're not likely to come along and support they're just kind of like guys are like oh yeah good crack on and that's that whereas i think i think women are more likely to generally if their friends put an arm around each other and support each other and unhold each other up and that can be quite odd for men it can be quite alien because it's not the types of relationships that we're used to growing up unfortunately due to society i was just going to say like is that because of society so you know will men when it comes to supporting their men or even supporting sometimes females they just don't want to share stuff as much or they don't want to come along to events is it because you know they don't want to ruin that image or you know society's built up that that's not what men let's 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 boil it down to some some really basic stuff like my wife finds it hilarious almost infuriating that i can go to the pub and have a conversation with my best mate uh, for two hours and i'll come back and she'll be like well what's going on with him and i'm like oh you know what did you talk about what well, I, I don't know just you know he's all right and that's about the kind of the extent of it <laughs> and and i think that's just male relationships we don't we're not as curious typically it takes more i think for a guy to come out of his shell and be a bit more vulnerable and that's why male suicide and things like that is is an issue, right? We don't we don't interrelate to other men particularly well, and so I think therefore when a guy's trying to build a community, or it can be quite intimidating for a guy to to go into a room where he's twenty five percent of the audience because it's so unusual to be in that situation. So, you know, there are some barriers there to break down for for guys and for those those male traits, you know, in inverted speech marks. For sure, and that's something that we found through through our network, and hence why we are actually actively transitioning from like-minded females to LMF network so that everyone feels like they're included. It will always be catered towards women and those with more feminine traits, but that means everyone can get involved. 
But you know, one of the things that I'm very vocal on is I don't white man bash. I think that is the most like, I just think that's ridiculous for us to do that. Histo- and I don't man bash. I think, again, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, being a feminist doesn't mean you go bash the other gender. That's not what this is about. Ultimately, if you think historically, you know, the, the 85% that make up especially tech or, or men or generally FTSE 500 companies that are led by men, that's because traditionally men were the ones who were working. So women didn't really come into the workplace until 15, 20 years ago. You know, and even now we have career gaps and there's so much other factors that exist. So when I go into events and I went into an event and it was, you know, an event I remember really distinctly. And it was a a woman's magazine in the community who had a woman only breakfast and someone kind of raised the hand and was like, you know, can we invite our male colleagues? And she was like, no, we don't want any men here. So I was like, I literally got up and I was like, I think that's completely wrong that this is a how to get more women into tech event. You don't have men here when they have the power and the privilege, of course they do, they're in senior uh, decision-making powers, they've got budgets, they, they wanna be allies, they wanna open doors. How can we expect them to know how to support us if we're not allowing them to come into spaces where we're talking about where we need the support? It has always been a man that has helped me to do what I'm doing now. It has not been women. I have had women managers who have been horrible. They have not helped me. It is the men on the side who have seen my potential and have seen, you know what, we're gonna open the door for you. We're not gonna speak on your behalf, but because now you've told us what you're looking for, we wanna give you the opportunity and then we will let you do the talking yourself. Like David is a great male ally, right? So allies aren't just aren't just kind of, you know, the, the token white male that's gonna support you. I think allies are everyone. And I really get, um, I really honestly get annoyed when when uh, people assume that even women are out to help other women, they're not, not everyone is. Sometimes that is the point of community is because you are around women who are toxic and who then and are all competitive. And that's why you need to go and find other people and other friends and a sense of identity because you've been in that circle. One of the reasons I founded LMF Network is not just because I was isolated, but because I was in a really toxic circle where, my, where, where those people around me were not supportive and so it made me feel even worse about myself. The thing with men is, and what I've found, is they don't, a lot of the time, they don't even have the extra drama that comes with. So when they go to the pub or when they go for drinks or when they go and play football, or when they go and watch a movie or when they are like binge watching Netflix, whatever they're doing, they're not really gossiping or, or bitching or kind of, you know, catering towards, hey, that didn't happen and they're not really criticizing. They're literally just talking about what's the weather like, who scored a goal, what's in the news, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So their conversations are deep, but they're also more about supporting each other because they've never seen the other side of it. Sometimes I really do wish we had a we. I wish I had a man's brain. Um, And again, you can't say that because it's stereotyping. Every man is different. But like you say, when they're watching Netflix or they get a WhatsApp from their friends, they don't overanalyze it. They don't say, oh, they've put full stop there. Are they annoyed at me? And that's that's definitely a woman's trait, which I think over time we've come to to realize in some ways it does really benefit us. It like really excels us. And then in other ways it can hold us back. And sometimes we just need to be like... (laughs) walk away, walk away from the situation. (laughs) But I think that's what we were saying at the beginning as well. One of the first questions I asked, you know, about tailoring it to women or men, 
everyone is different. Like you, you can have a group of women that all work in the same industry, that all went to the same university, that all have the same interests, and they will still all be very different. And that's so important in a community, in a business, in your friendships, in your relationships. You're not gonna. Obviously, sometimes you do gel with people that are similar to you, and that's because naturally you would you have similar interests, but again you're going to clash if you are the same um so it's so important to have like different people different mindsets different backgrounds and that's that's what i'm guessing you've both seen from your communities from being in the industry that really works with people with businesses with startups i don't know if you've got anything else you wanted to add david i'm not completely wrapping up yet i just wanted to basically say we've we've kind of highlighted some challenges and some issues and um, tackled them slightly but what changes would you both like to see you know as you say let's work short term covid wise but um you know over the next year what sort of changes would you like to see in terms of communities in terms of the industries in terms of you know gender in terms of diversity equality look i i want one thing that i've i've noticed that i think certainly there, there could be some level of, of of work towards is that there are a huge amount of groups all with very similar aims and i absolutely think there's space for them all but i also think there's a lack of joined up thinking at the minute so i think there's a lot of communities who are pulling in the same direction but independently and it would be great if there could be a little bit more coordination uh, between those groups because i think i think joined together they could achieve more and do you think, obviously, this was your point, David, so you can answer, but also, Sonia, you've, you're in a community yourself. Do you think that there is this sense of competitiveness and, you know, well, we, why, why are they doing this? And, like, looking up what other people are doing and trying to fight against each other when actually, like you said, people could, could just pull together? I'll be quick and then, and then let Sonia talk because she'll be, she'll be better placed to answer this than me. I mean, f- from my perspective, in a podcast sense no it, it's 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 great you know i i can listen to multiple different podcasts on one topic and that's fine i think if it's more community focused and it's maybe something like lmf and then some of the other things maybe that's that's not for me to comment i think it's better that, that sonia answers that that's for sure i definitely think that there is the competition but i think that competition comes when you don't really know yourself your niche or what your purpose is so it goes back to one of the first points we made like what is your purpose and what are the principles you want to stand by and so what is your service offering there is definitely enough space for everyone it's just you have to bring something different to the market be that different opinions be that the different format be that the the personality whatever it may be but people buy into people our community is run because we have really true authentic people and we're all volunteers so everything is self-funded and that's by design everything is donated you know, what are some of the things that companies can start doing better and, and communities can start doing better is yes, they can come together. But if, you, if you're if you doing the same things and expecting, you know, different results, you're, you're insane. I love that quote. I think it's amazing. If we are doing the same things as a community as someone else and expecting different results, we're insane. If companies are going to the same or similar firms to help them with diversity, to help them with inclusion, to, to help them find new talent and there are communities out there with with loads of great talent and the community members are are afraid or or you know not as confident to go and approach these big companies how can you work together to ensure that you are creating more diverse um opportunities more inclusive opportunities how can we as communities come together and, and support each other the great thing about covid is that it's taught us that everyone and everything can be online so in my first TED talk, it's called Please Come Online. And if uh, that, that's the title of it on YouTube. 
And it's all about how we can use tech to build communities, which we have done. But we've been doing that since MSN Messenger. We've been finding friends on the internet from, from the very beginning. And so then there was a point in, in time where it was like, well, you can't be friends from people on the internet. Well, actually you can, because if you're liking the same things, you're approaching the same people, and you're in the same kind of you know network, of course you can. I've slid into, slid into people's DMs who are now my bestest friends. Uh, and, and that's just how life works. So the power of community is first you understanding why you want to be a part of community and, and ultimately where you would like to end up, your vision, your purpose. Then it's identifying the principles that you want to live by and then it's going and really engaging with others and not just going to one event and being like, this isn't for me. Talk to the people, talk to the leaders, talk to the managers, talk to those who are building it to say, this is what I think can also happen. Do you think that you can uh, evolve your project? Or do you think you can incorporate that to create another dimension? As community leaders and as community founders, we shouldn't be thinking of each other as competitors. We should be coming together to collaborate and say, hey, well, we're doing an event on money. Actually, you run a community on money. Why don't we do it together so that we don't have extra things? Because you know what it happens is then it confuses the audience. And that's where it gets really tricky. And then you're playing with a big pool of people that can't afford to engage with everything. And then it confuses them and they just don't want to be a part of it. 100%. And you, you briefly mentioned this then, um, obviously COVID. I don't want to talk about it loads. And I'm sure everyone exhausted of talk, talking about it. But talking about community, from your personal point of view, do you think COVID has brought people together more? Or has it been, you know, a struggle on communities and the industry or... Yeah, how, how's your experiences been? I personally think it's brought people together more only if you've used it as an opportunity to do so, which I personally have. So I have made great friends, new connections. I already, we already spoke about the book that if it wasn't for COVID, if it wasn't for Angelica, who I met over COVID probably wouldn't have happened. Gotten involved with a lot more events and initiatives because you've been able to reach out. But at the same time, that I think comes from personal drive and that also comes from you being able or, or confident and wanting to reach out whenever i i do workshops and webinars i always start with a check-in and then asking people to introduce themselves on the chat because the same way that you would have online offline they're not doing it offline they're sorry same way you would have offline you're not doing it online so what is the point of joining a chat with like 100 people when they don't know anything about you, you don't know anything about them and you're just listening if you can just share your name uh, what you're currently doing you know, what your success is or what your skills are, what your goal is, what your LinkedIn URL is. I've literally seen it within chats where people are like, oh, you're a designer, I'm a designer, let's catch up for coffee. Or, oh, you're looking for a content writer, I'm looking for a new job, let's catch up. Or, you're in tech, um, I'm thinking of going into tech, can I have a chat? That is the beauty and the power of communities. You can find someone who would share or similar views from anywhere around the world. Over 60% of the global population now have access to technology more than they have access to education that's the life that it's come to so we need to be in a place where we are actively taking every opportunity and and embracing it and making the most of it even if it's as simple as just introducing yourselves and and listening to other people definitely and david did you want to add anything else before we did wrap up no, I, I, I kind of echo that. I think I think right now the world can feel a little bit lonely at times and any opportunity to connect with someone that shares a passion with you, even if they're not telling you anything that, that fundamentally changes your view of the world, is really important. You know, me and Sonia chat a lot because we do similar things. Uh, and I don't think that we kind of 
necessarily kind of teach each other wholly new ways of, of doing something but it's just really useful to to bounce ideas off someone who who shares a passion with you sometimes and and that can be enough and that can be that can be really helpful in times like these definitely and what would you both say to people that maybe want to reach out to a community that haven't yet or if they're a bit apprehensive you know do you do you come across people that are like oh i wanted to join but i was too scared to follow your passion if you've got something you want to say don't worry about whether or not it's right or not just put it out there and people people will respond to it you know if you if you put yourself out there then then people people like that and they warm to it yeah i agree don't be afraid to share your opinions to get involved and if you are not comfortable you know for example dm me i can genuinely say i've sent people templates on how they can start conversations online like a linkedin template and an instagram template it's like all you got to do is fill out the x and y's approach the community events or workshops or initiatives with a bit of curiosity ask a question on two and see if that feeds but most importantly echoing what david said don't be afraid to just go for it and then and then see what happens because if you are feeling a certain way i can pretty much guarantee that someone else out in the world also is and maybe they are at the same place where they're uncomfortable they're not confident or they're a bit scared so if you can take that leap of faith then you can you can really create a whole new world and a, a kind of whole new dimension for other people you know, if I didn't take a leap of faith and create LMF, if I stopped at the first brunch that no one showed up, I can't even imagine what my life would be like, but I know that it I possibly wouldn't have liked it. Definitely. And, and like, so you went through some of the bad times and it's brought you the good times, as, cl- as cliche as that is. <laughs> we'll, we'll end on that cliche before I get any worse. Thank you both so much, David. It's been an absolute pleasure co-hosting with you and Sonia. You've been an amazing guest. And yes, I was just about to say, Obviously, podcast to podcast, it's all about empowering each other, strategically winging it. And Tech Talks, two great podcasts, so go listen to them. And we'll also keep an eye out for your books, Sonia. It won't be long now. Yeah, thank you so much for having us and just for sharing, um, allowing us to share our thoughts, to be honest. Serial Entrepreneur.